Hello and welcome to the Praise Center Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit PraiseCenterOnline.com. We're going to be talking about sanctification today. How many of you heard that word, sanctification? All right, it's a terminology, it's a word that's used in Scripture depending on what translation you use. But that's what we're going to be focusing. And what sanctification is, our responsibilities in this cooperative and progressive work, and practical steps to walk out this work God has provided us. So I'm going to go ahead and open us up in prayer and believe that the Holy Spirit is going to speak to all of us today. Heavenly Father, we thank you today that you are here amongst us, you are within us through your Holy Spirit. We pray for an anointing over this word. We pray for an anointing over our lives. We pray that you would speak to us, that we would listen, and that we'd be obedient to your word. Lord, I pray for blessings over everyone in this church today. Lord, you would bless their hearts, you would bless their families. And as we go out today, Lord, you would bless the communities and the people that we interact with. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we'll go ahead and we'll do a quick introduction and we'll get into this. Sanctification means to be set apart or to be holy. In some translations, instead of the word sanctification, the word being used is holiness. And, uh, <clears throat> but the teaching behind this concept is the same. It is the work of believers separating themselves from the world and becoming more like Jesus. Without this work, we cannot know and understand God. And if we don't know God, how can we have any confidence that we are his children? There is a danger in the church of America today, a subconscious belief that all we have to do in our part of living out our salvation is to believe. But if you think about it, even the demons believed in Jesus. Didn't he say that? Even the demons believe in me. But yet scripture tells us our faith is dead if not backed up by works. That's in James. It's not our works that saves us, but this process of sanctification is absolutely necessary in our lives if we have a love for God. And if we love our God, our hearts will burn with passion to be set apart for His glory and kingdom. Remember, sanctification is not a means of being justified before God. Jesus did that on the cross, but it is a process that flows from the cross and is God's means of transforming us in this life to be more like His Son Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? We are justified before God our Father because of the work Jesus did on the cross. I am holy because of what Jesus did on the cross. But sanctification is this long process, a lifelong process of God using the Holy Spirit to transform us to make Him more like His Son Jesus Christ. And this is a process that begins at salvation and ends at our physical death. It's a process that as believers we are obligated to take part of. I want to tell you just a couple of quick stories Growing up, when I was living with my parents, probably about the age of 10, 11 years old, uh, I lived in a neighborhood, and this was back in a time, it wasn't too long ago, but you know, kids would ro roam around neighborhoods. I, I was probably with a, a group of kids of like maybe 15, and we'd be blocks away from our house. Our parents wouldn't see us all day long, and it was fine. Now, this was in Tacoma on the west side of the state. Even back then, our parents were fine with it. We'd stay in groups, and Anyways, there was this new kid that ended up coming into our neighborhood. He was different, talked different, walked different. He really was not accepted, right? He's just, he was really a different kid. And he really wasn't finding his way into our group. And, you know, I'm at the age of about 10, 11 years old. I've been saved by this time already. I've grown up in a Christian home. And uh, I remember this one time, he, he comes over to my house, 
And I had this, this bicycle in my backyard, and it was broken. It was one of the bicycles where you pedal backwards and it breaks. And if this bike was broken, you pedal backwards, nothing would happen. There's no braking system. So I thought it would be funny if I would have him get on this bike and go down this steep hill down into the basement of our garage where there's a steel door there. And I thought it'd be funny. I thought, you know, nobody likes this kid anyways, and I thought I'd get a good laugh out of it. So I ended up convincing him, you know, he's trusting me, he's new to the neighborhood, he trusts me, he gets on this bike, he goes down the, in this hill, and I'm laughing, and I hear this big slam against a steel door, and then I, I see him walk up like a minute later, and he's bruised and just had this look of embarrassment. I never saw him again after that. He lived like about a block away, but never did I ever see him walk around and hang out with us and do anything with us. And I think there was such an embarrassment and a, a, an abuse of trust on him. And here I am as a Christian, you know, I'm, I'm a kid, but here I am being completely uncompassionate and terrible to another human being. Who knows what kind of long-term effects that had on, has on somebody, right? Fast forward, as a teenager, I'm living with my parents' different house, I end up looking out the window. It's a cold winter day, and I see there's a homeless man across the, the road from me, and there's a ditch, and he's laying there, and he's just in a t-shirt, and it's cold outside, and he's just laying there asleep. I almost thought maybe he was dead. I, I don't know. I, I was kind of scared at the moment, and I, I see him laying out there. Everything inside of me was just churning, and all I could think about is, should I do something? He's cold. I think to myself, I have seven jackets in my closet. What am I going to do? You know, I, I, I'm like, is he going to think I'm a crazy person by going out there and offering a jacket? And I spend a half an hour just debating whether or not I should do something. All of a sudden, I look out the window again, and he's gone. And all I can think, I have this panic in my mind, is why didn't I obey God? So then I go, I run into my closet, I get my, my favorite, thickest jacket I can find, I run outside, and there's this long stretch of road, and I see him, and he's walking about, he's quarter mile down the road. I chase after him. I'm out of breath by the time I catch up to him. He, he must have thought I was crazy because here's this teenager running up to him with a jacket and I tell him who I am. I start apologizing. I didn't come out to him sooner and I give him my jacket. And I, I think he just had this look on his face of like, oh my goodness, like, what, what, are you serious? And I'm just, all I can think was, I'm just so sorry I didn't do this sooner. And you see, I, I'm a Christian, you know, as, as a child, I'm a Christian, a Christian as a teenager, and yet there's something that's going on in this process over these years, and it was that God is changing me. And I want to encourage you that maybe you're at a point in your life and you just feel like I, there's so many things going on in my life that aren't right, and I'm hurting myself, and I'm doing things I shouldn't do, and I'm hurting other people, and, but I'm a Christian. Why is this happening? And I want to tell you, you're in the process of sanctification, God's not done with you. There's a work going on inside of you. And as we're obedient to God, as we're obedient to His Word, He begins to change us so that we're not the same person we were years ago. We're a different person now. Does that make sense? So we're going to look at some passages here. The first one is Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. And the author says, Pursue peace with all men, and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. Pursue sanctification, pursue peace, without which no one will see the Lord. Think about that for a second. He's talking to believers. Sanctification is only a process that a believer has. So if we're a believer and, and we are not pursuing sanctification, we will not see the Lord. We must pursue sanctification because without it we will not see God. Our relationship with God can't be conjured up out of good intentions and religious practices 
and can only grow through obedience and in this process known as sanctification, which in essence means to be set apart, to become holy, to turn away from evil practices, and to conform to God's will. Without this process in our life, we will not see God. We'll be blind spiritually. This process begins at the beginning. Like when we become a a, a believer, there's this regeneration that happens in our heart. We're dead spiritually. We are regenerated. We become a new person. We have a new heart. We are now alive spiritually. And sanctification begins. And from there, it doesn't stop until we're dead. And then we are glorified with our Father. If we're blind spiritually while we're believers, what do you think is going to happen? If we're blind spiritually, we're going to hurt ourselves. We're going to hurt other people around us. We're going to be walking around blind spiritually. We're we're, we're not being set apart for the things of God. We're going to be knocking into things, wondering, God, why is this happening? Why why am I always in sin? And God, why why am I hurting people? And why are all these things happening? Why does there seem to just be chaos in my life? Maybe you're not being set apart for the things of God. Maybe you're not being obedient to what God has called you to do and you're wondering, God, why is this happening? I'm a Christian. Like, I shouldn't be doing all this sin and I shouldn't... Maybe you're not obeying God. Maybe you're not being set apart for holiness. You're not being obedient to what the Holy Spirit's calling you to do. And so you're wondering and you get frustrated and angry at God and frustrated and angry at yourself. And the reality is, is you're not, you're not cooperating in this process of sanctification. We're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1-2. through 2. It says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, that's us, the church, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkle with his blood. You see, this work of being sanctified is the work of the Holy Spirit within us. As believers, we have been given the Holy Spirit within us. And there is this work that he does inside of us to set us apart for the things of God. It's a cooperative relationship with God. Peter clearly explains this work of sanctification is from the Holy Spirit residing inside of us. And God expects and demands our obedience as believers and has given us this process to accomplish this. You have the tools necessary to do this. You've been equipped to be able to overcome sin. The power of the Holy Spirit to work in us It is setting us apart from the world for his purposes. You see, sanctification, it is a cooperative relationship. We work with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit cleanses us, sets us apart for God, but we act in obedience to that cooperative relationship. I kind of think of it as like a relationship with your wife. If you're not cooperative, if you're always trying to get your own way, how long do you think that marriage is going to (laughs) last? I mean, realistically. If you always want your way and you're not listening to what your wife or your husband has to say to you and you just want to do what you want to do and you know they can do all the laundry, they can do all the dishes, they can do everything and I'm going to sit here and I'm going to watch TV and I'm going to do whatever I want and I'm not going to talk to them and I just want to go out and play and I'm going to go out and have fun. How long do you think that marriage is going to last? It's just not. And you see, what, what, what's it, how is it any different from our relationship with the Holy Spirit? Right? There's, there's got to be this cooperative... He, he's doing the work. He's sanctifying us, but we have to be obedient to what God has called us to do. And if we're not obedient to what He's called us to do, like we just read, we're going to be blind spiritually. We're going to be running around, knocking ourselves into things, hurting people and hurting ourselves. And then we just start to blame God and blame everyone around us. 
when really we just need to be, we need to be cooperative with the Holy Spirit. Man, that, you know, that's a painful thing to do sometimes. The Holy Spirit asks us to do things we don't want to do, and we're just like, oh, God, I, I, I don't think I can do this. But you know what? That's what we signed up for as believers. This cooperation, this obedience to what God has called us to do. Romans 6, chapter, uh, Romans 6, verse 17 through 19 says, But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I am using an example from everyday life of your human limitations, just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness. So now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness, which is interchangeable with the word sanctification. You see, again, he's talking about we used to be slaves to the things of the world. We used to be slaves to wickedness. We used to give ourselves over to things of the flesh. But he's saying now we are slaves to righteousness. Now that we are regenerate, now that we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, now we become slaves to righteousness. We do good things. We love good things. We want to pursue the good things of God. That's the work of the Holy Spirit inside of us. That's the new heart that God has given us. And as we become obedient to that, God transform us so that we won't be the same person we were a year ago, 10 years ago, and we won't be the same person a year from now or 10 years from now. Right? How many... How many of you have gone through a time in your life where you look back and you're like, you know what, there was a chunk of time where I was the same person for X amount of years because I was just not obedient to the Holy Spirit. I was doing my own thing, running my own course. I was hurting people and I I hurt myself. And I was the same person throughout the whole process, maybe even declined a little bit. I can tell you what, the Holy Spirit, if we just surrender to Him, we will not be the same person. A year from now, you will not be the same person. If you begin to surrender and give him everything and allow him to change you, you will not be the same person. You will not be struggling with sin the same way you are right now that you will a year from now. I'm telling you, because that is the work of the Holy Spirit. He said right there, we're supposed to be slaves of righteousness. He's not going to give us this command if we can't do it. But again, a lot of times we just think, I'm a sinner, I'm broken, I can't not sin, it's just going to happen. He's saying, no. That's the old life. It's not that we're going to be sinless, but it's that we don't have to be slaves to sin. We don't have to struggle with the same things over and over for the rest of our lives. And maybe if you are in a place where you are struggling with the same thing over and over, you need a brother or a sister, someone to come alongside you, say, you know what, we can do this together. We can fight this together. That's got to be one of the hardest things. You know, you're just struggling and you're stuck and you're like, God, I'm a believer. I love you, but I just can't get out of this rut. And you need to humble yourself and have someone walk alongside you, right? You need someone, you need a brother, you need a sister. This process is progressive. It is continual day by day, minute by minute, a work of the Holy Spirit. Each decision we make, every thought we think draws us closer to God or further away. How, how many can you attest to this? Every thought you think about someone at your work, every action you do with your children, every, it in some way impacts them and you and your relationship with God. Whether in a loving, kind, compassionate, grace, gracious way, or you're mean and you're hard and you're not listening to the Holy Spirit and you're listening to the flesh and you're doing what you want to do and it just draws you further away from God and this work of sanctification is being halted, it's being paused. Every single decision counts. Like I was telling you those stir- stories earlier, those 
decisions we make impact us. Every single decision. You know, when I, when I convinced that boy to ride his bicycle down there, that didn't start right there when I asked him to get on the bicycle. It started way back in my thought process. It, it began when I started to think to myself, how can I do something that's going to make me feel better, make me you know, laugh? What? And, and it begins in our hearts and our minds, right? Every single thought is going to change things for eternity. It's going to change things for the rest of our lives. You know, we can learn how to grow in our spiritual life, to grow in our sanctification. We can learn from the example of Jesus. I was reading through the book of Luke, and there was a, a story that really stood out to me, which was when Jesus was a boy. And he's in the temple, his parents, his whole family have gone to Jerusalem, and, he, and they, they're heading back home in three days, and they don't know where he's at. I don't, I don't know what to tell you, but if, if I don't see my boy for three minutes... I'm freaking out. Like, I'm like, what is he destroyed? Where is he gone? What, you know, like, <laughs> he's gone three days. Man, I don't know. Life must have been a lot different back then, right? But he's in the temple and he's learning. He's learning from the priest. He's asking questions. He's answering things. And he's a boy, right? That should tell us a couple of things. One, this process of, of sanctification can begin very, very young. Right as we're believers, it begins very young too. The parents, Mary and Joseph, they were pouring into Joseph. He didn't just learn the word on his own. There was this process of being set apart for the will of the Father, and it was Mary and Joseph just pouring their lives in him, teaching him the word, spending time in prayer, going to temple, right? I want to encourage you as parents, thank you for bringing your children, your youth, bringing them to church, being a part of what we do here. I also want to encourage you that if you're not spending time in the word with them, time in prayer with them, Something has to change. I remember a little over a year ago, Lawrence and I were going to a men's retreat, and we were driving. We were just kind of talking about family stuff, and he, he told me about you know, the time he spends with his family and the Word, and, and I just, the Lord started speaking to me, and I thought, why am I not doing that? Why am I not spending time in the, in the Word with my family and praying with my family? And why, like, it, it was almost like I had this revelation, but it was kind of like a you know, didoy re revelation. Thank you, Lawrence. And, and since then, Rachel and I have made the choice, you know, we're, we're going to spend time every night with our boys in the Word and prayer and worship because the sanctification begins now. It, it pours out through our life as we are set apart for the things of God and as we become holy like God is holy, that's going to pour down onto our children. Maybe you don't have kids, but you're involved in church here. That process can happen here at church too. As you serve the kids and you serve the youth and the people in your life, your process of sanctification, again, has these eternal effects on the people around you in your life. And so Jesus was a benefit of the sanctification of his parents. There's another story in Luke where Jesus is being baptized and he's filled with the Holy Spirit. I love that, that Jesus, in obedience to the Father, he's baptized. He's, he's perfect, right? He's fully God, he's fully man, and yet he submitted to the will of the Father. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. He goes out into the desert. He goes out there and he's tempted by the enemy. There's a story in there that really stuck out to me as he was in the desert. You know, Satan begins to tempt him, and Jesus ends up rebuking him with Scripture. He knows Scripture from heart. It's written on his heart. Not only does he know Scripture, but he believes it. He's confident in it. He has faith in what his Father has said. Even when the enemy uses Scripture and twists it, to try and tempt Jesus, Jesus rebukes him again with Scripture because he knows Scripture. Shouldn't that be a testament to us? 
of what we need to have in our lives, right? We're going to get to that in the end there. But as Jesus, he, he believes this scripture. He's being sanctified, set apart for the will of the Father by being in the Word of God. He knows it. He believes it. He's consumed it, right? So now we've got to get into what kills this process of sanctification. We could go over a list of a, a thousand things. I'm going to talk about one thing today, one thing that kills this process of sanctification in our lives. Apathy. Apathy kills spiritual progression. Apathy is a cancer in our soul. We slide back into a spiritual lazy boy and we fall asleep. The Church of America is no threat to Satan because we are apathetic in our sanctification and look no different than non-believers and thus are no threat to him. Apathy is our greatest threat in America today. We are apathetic because we have everything we need we are without want. We don't see a spiritual battle waging for the souls of our neighbors and coworkers. We see the next phone we want. We see the next vacation we want. We see comfort. And we, we have all these things, and it makes us apathetic. It just does. I'm just telling you, this is where America is at today. We are absolutely apathetic and waging for the souls of our souls and for the souls of the people around us. I say this only to encourage us. I'm not trying to condemn us, but to encourage us. That as a church, God can bring revival. God can bring revival just through our church. God can do whatever He wants to do. And as we begin to say yes to the Lord, yes to the Holy Spirit in our lives, we can be revival here in Wenatchee. I'm not saying this just to try and hype us up. I believe God can do whatever He wants to do. And as we begin to say yes to Him, as we say, yes, Lord, I surrender to You, do Your work in me, God's beginning, He's going to begin to change things. Right? It begins right here in our souls as we are sanctified, made holy, set apart for His purposes. You know, the very first story of apathy began in the Garden of Eden. You know, Eve, she gets a lot of blame. She gets a lot of flack for being the one that took the fruit, listened to the enemy, right? What did Adam do? He just stood there. He did nothing. He was apathetic. He knows the commands of God. He sees his wife being tempted, and he stands there like an idiot doing nothing. Nothing. The worst decision of all mankind was made right there because a man was apathetic. Real quick, I'm not going to be too hard on the husbands, but husbands, if you are apathetic and raising up your family, bad things are going to happen. If we're apathetic and we're not praying for our family, if we're not on our knees praying for our family, if we're not in the Scripture if we don't know Scripture and we can't teach our kids Scripture, if we can't lead them and be the guardians of our houses, bad things are going to happen. What happened to Adam and Eve? Adam let Eve eat the fruit. He was apathetic and he did nothing. So husbands, if we're apathetic and we don't lead our families and we don't protect them, we're not on our knees begging God to give us the, the fullness of the Spirit to be able to protect our families from the enemy, bad things are going to happen. I just had to put it out there. I, I'm, I'm, I'm tough on husbands because I'm tough on myself. If you want to fight apathy, you want to fight apathy, I encourage you to go home and read Matthew chapters 5 through 7, Sermon on the Mount. All you've got to do is read through that. I've been reading it over and over and over, and I just think to myself, God, you have so much work to do in me. I start reading something about being gentle. I'm like, I've, I've got to be more gentle. I start reading about how I need to pray for my enemies and love my enemies. And just the other day at work, I started 
talking badly about somebody that was outside of my company because the way they were treating me. And then the Lord started to convict me. And it's like, so what? Pray for them. Love them. Don't talk badly about them. How are you supposed to be any different from another non-believer if you're talking badly about someone? You've got to pray for them. You've got to love them. Right? So now we're going to get into some practical steps in progressing in our sanctification. As we learned from Jesus as a boy when he was tempted in the desert, Scripture must be the foundation and basis of our faith and understanding of God. If we are not hungry for the Word of God, we cannot know God. If we are not in it, we cannot know God. The enemy can speak to us and we won't know any different. I had a friend that I served in with ministry. And he, he left his family and abandoned them and moved away because he felt like God was telling him to do so. But what are you supposed to do if you don't know Scripture? If it's not on your heart and you don't have faith in it, the enemy can speak lies to you and you can believe whatever you want to believe. If you don't know God, how are you supposed to know right from wrong and what you should do in this life? The Word of God has got to be something that we are hungry for, starving for. My wife can attest to you, I love snacks. Oh man, I don't care if there's four feet of snow, I will go and get snacks. I will be on the road, I'm going to be down to the store, I'm going to fill up my cupboard with snacks, because I do not like to be hungry at night. I like to have my snacks. I'm just being 100% honest. I do not like to be hungry. Fasting is a challenge for me. That same hunger for food, people, we've got to have for the Word of God. And if you don't have that hunger for the Word of God, you've got to get on your knees and start asking God, give me a hunger for the Word of God. Lord, I don't want to be apathetic. I want to be hungry. I need it in my life because I need to know you, Lord. Prayer must be a foundation for our lives. If it isn't, if, if it isn't it, something has to go. If prayer isn't something that we're doing every day, if we're not on our knees, if we're, not, if we're not getting to know God, something has to go. Something. I think about Jesus and the life He lived, and He was always alone praying. He was always going off alone praying. And, and I think to myself, He's the Son of God. He's perfect. And yet, He needs time alone in prayer. I need it a thousand times more than He does. Right? The Son of God is going off and praying. Don't I need that as well? I can tell you what. I know what it feels like to be overcome. I, I know what it feels like to have the Holy Spirit so powerful I'm choking for breath. Church, that's what we've got to have. Where we spend time just us and God and we're on our knees and the power of the Holy Spirit comes over so powerfully we can barely breathe. Because the anointing is so powerful. We've got to have that in our lives. Because if we don't have it, we're not going to know God. We're not going to be set apart for His purposes. We've got to have that alone time with Him. And lastly, we need to have a humility and surrender to God's will. I know that seems simple, but that's the hardest part out of it all, isn't it? Isn't the hardest part just saying, God, I give it all to you. And you know what? It's easy to say it, but it's another thing to actually do it. It's the challenging thing, just saying, God, I, I surrender. I, I give it to you. Change me. Sanctify me. Make me more like you. That's what we need. Humility. Surrender. I want to encourage you. Maybe you're feeling like, 
I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like maybe God's done with me. I don't have any more to grow. I don't care how old you are, what place you are in your life. If you're a believer and you have faith in Jesus Christ, God is not done with you. And I'm not saying that to try and make you feel better. I'm saying that because it's the truth. It's the process of sanctification. All we have to do is humble ourselves and say, Lord, take over. Give me that fire. Give me that passion for you. It's a continuous work and it's a cooperative work. It's something that we do the entirety of our lives and it's something that we have to say, Lord, I'm willing to do what you want me to do. I'm willing to act. I'm willing to do the things you've called me to do. I'm willing to be gentle with people. I'm willing to sacrifice myself for my family. I'm willing to love my enemies. I, you know, and we're going to fail, but we get back up and we say, Lord, I know it's a process. Sanctify me. Sanctify me, Lord. Set me apart. I am your child. I want to encourage you. You're a child of God. He loves you. He set you apart for his purposes. He's not done with you. He has a future for you. He has things in front of you you can't even see. And you just got to say, Lord, sanctify me. I give myself over to you. We're just going to have a, a, a time of worship here. I just want to give you an opportunity. If you want to just stay in your seat and pray, you want to come up and kneel down, you want to, whatever you need to do, and just an opportunity for you to worship God and just to say, Lord, sanctify me. I give myself over to you. I cooperate, the Holy, cooperate with the Holy Spirit. I am ready to work. I am ready to work with you because there are things that need to get done. Amen? Thank you for listening to Praise Center Sermon of the Week. Don't forget, for more information, visit PraiseCenterOnline.com.